Live from Chicago, this is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Democrat Philip Beverly, Democrat Mark Casello, Republican Josh Cantro, and immigration activist Rosanna Polito. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Museum of Broadcast Communications in Chicago, where our toll-free lines are open at 1-800-723-8029. 1-800-723-8029. If you'd like to email me a comment, it's BruceDumont at museum.tv. You want to tweet me a comment, it's at Dumo, at D-U-M-O. And also you can join us on the World Wide Web at beyondthebeltway.com. That's the live portion of the program, radio and TV. And, of course, we are now live on Facebook. Go to the Beyond the Beltway with Bruce Dumont Facebook page, and you can listen to us and watch us wherever you're listening around the world. And, again, it's great to be back in Chicago. We did our show last week, partially from Chicago, partially from Palm Springs, but I'm back in Chicago with the cold weather, but it's good to be back. Uh, I want to begin uh, with uh, there's just so much to discuss every single week. But I do think that that this past week, just within the last couple of days, there there has there's another shoe that fell. This is a, a shoe that fell by the by the New York Times, and it raises the discussion of whether or not there was complicity between Russia and Donald Trump. He has vehemently denied it from the very first time that suggestion was ever made. But again, uh, the news and the report that came out from the New York Times was that following. President Trump's firing of James Comey, that the FBI took it upon themselves to begin a counterintelligence investigation into whether or not Donald Trump was an agent of the Russian government. And uh, this has knocked a lot of people in Washington, Republicans and Democrats, uh, sort of, you know, on their heels. And I want to spend a few moments just talking about what that story means and, and the ramifications of that story. And I want to begin with one of our, our, our loyal uh, Trump supporters at the table, and you were a lawyer, uh, Josh Cantro. Nice to have you with us. Happy New Year to you. Thank you, Bruce, for what, having me. You have been, uh, you have been very uh, aggressive in your denunciation of the Mueller team, and you think they've been out to get Donald Trump. But what does this story tell you about the FBI and whether or not they did what they say is alleged, and whether or not did they have the right to do that. So I have been outspoken in my denunciation of the investigation, and not, not so much Mueller himself, but how this whole investigation started with the dossier and the like, and whether there was even a need to do an investigation to begin with. I think this story lends further credence to concerns that I've had about um, the origins of the investigation and really the the fact that the FBI, we find out, has been investigating Trump much earlier than we thought they were. Okay. I want to get Phil Beverly, uh, one of our Democrats. Phil, what's your reaction to the story? I guess the, the thing that I'm, I'm struck with is that the Bureau really wants to go after real criminals, 
and not really waste their resources chasing down, you know, political prosecutions the way they seem to be chasing this one down. That's based on their image, their past image. Yeah. I'd say maybe a large percentage of Americans would challenge that point, but go ahead. Uh, uh, this, isn't, this doesn't give them a win as an agency, I think, in the eyes of the public. I think the public wants the FBI to do real crime fighting. And if they're doing this, given that they have this key role in national counterintelligence activities, uh, at some point we're going to have to trust that they know how to do that job and that if there's nothing there, they need to be the first ones who stand up and say, yep, he's not an agent, we investigated, and we found nothing there. Okay. Roseanne Polito joins us. Roseanne, you're a longtime Trump supporter. Uh, what's your reaction to the story and the ramifications of the story? Well, I just feel like people are weary because every day that I, that I can see, a new story comes out. And so I believe that in some ways uh, people have overplayed their hand. And so when stories come out right away, the first thing people do is like, oh, another one. They're trying to get him again. And I think a lot of people just go, yeah, you know, next. Okay. So this might be Johnny crying wolf once too often. Absolutely. Uh, Mark Casello, long time no see. Nice to have you back. Thank it's you your just... first appearance of the Trump administration. Uh, it's <laughs> amazing to me that it's been that long. But what's your reaction to this story and the ramifications? Sure. And I, I agree with Rosanna that um, the public, I think, is getting sort of investigation wary and weary. And um, this might just be more noise to them. But I think there is a distinction in this New York Times story. And it's the question of... Um, what was motivating Trump's firing of Comey. And it moved from sort of a suspicion um, to something they deemed actionable um, because the question of, uh, you know, now uh, what is motivating Trump uh, to do this uh, beyond simply obstruction of justice? Was he acting um, on behalf of Russia to to fire Comey? And then the next day when yeah, he but also he, with he, Ambassador they, they Kislyak... Did, they also did have the... Uh, go ahead, finish your point. I didn't mean to talk. Oh, I was just going to say, and then, and then uh, I think adding to the, the FBI's case here, the reason of opening that investigation, the next day meeting with Ambassador, Ambassador Kislyak in the Oval Office with no other American uh, officials present um, didn't help. Uh, definitely would have been sort of a, a, a motivating factor. For Josh, do you agree that that, that that second meeting with Kislyak in the White House with, with only Russian photographers did that raise the, the, the suspicion, and should it raise the suspicion? If you were in the FBI, would that have raised your suspicions about a guy who just fired your boss? I, I think there's something there to, to that in terms of raising suspicions. Mm -hmm. But the point is that Trump is a man who likes to get to know people, and he wants to be able to transact business with them. That's what he's used to doing and get, getting to know them on a personal level. And so if you have a lot of reporters around and aides around, that impedes that process. So I, I think that there is nothing to it. Uh, the FBI investigated. This thing's been going on now for two years. No collusion has been found. At some point... Phil, because what, what, what we now know, based on the last couple of years, 
We know that McCabe was not a fan of Donald Trump's. We know that uh, Skorich and, and Lisa Page were not fans. Uh, there were others in the hierarchy of the FBI that were not fans of Donald Trump. We know that because of what has come out over the last several years. So when their boss gets fired, can you see why a lot of people would say, aha, this is just that same cabal of Democrats or anti-Trump people in the FBI going one step further, they're going to try to bring Donald Trump and besmirch him and try to paint him as if he's a Russian agent. Do you, do you understand how people could respond given the personnel that were involved? The, the people I just mentioned had to be somehow involved in this alleged investigation. I think if, if you subscribe to cults of personality, yeah, I could see that. But if you subscribe to the idea that highly trained FBI agents are really law enforcement professionals, and at some level you trust or don't trust yep. that. Well, I some think, of us I trust think, that. I think that's what's been lost in the last couple of years. Back shortly from Chicago. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, The Experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, we're, we're continuing to talk about the, uh, the story in the New York Times suggesting that uh, the FBI investigated whether or not Donald Trump was possibly an agent of the Russian, a Russian agent, and this happened. The investigation started right after um, James Comey was fired as the head of the FBI. And we were talking about whether or not uh, that was is – that is that an investigation – that uh, an agency of the federal government should do if they believe that they've seen evidence to suggest that. Now, we already know that the FBI was filled at the top levels with people that did not like Donald Trump. But as a voter, if I believe that someone, let's say it could have been Bill Clinton. I believe that Bill Clinton was an agent of the Chinese because he was given so much information to them. If I believe that, is there an agency of government that should investigate whoever is elected as president to make sure that they're pristine? Or am I, is that not something that should happen? There should Mark? be an agency, yes. No, there, there certainly should be, and, and that's what we need our institutions for. Um, and... You know, this, there, there's been a critique from the left that one of the dangers of this um, Trump's institutional attack is that to defend the institution, we end up sort of uh, supporting the 
the, the FBI and the CIA and agencies that normally progressives like me would critique so that we have to retreat into looking for somebody within the institutions to protect us as citizens, which we need our institutions. But at the same time, Bruce, I want to go back to something you said before as far as context, things we know now that we didn't know before. We also didn't know at the time that Trump was engaged in the, uh, pursuing a real estate deal in Moscow, the Trump Tower in Moscow. And so in hindsight now, and we know that they were trying to fudge the dates on, on when those uh, meetings and those uh, conversations were taking place. And it's the first time, I think, in American history we have a real estate developer as the president of our nation. And, and real estate developers are about deals. Um, and so that does also uh, serve as a basis possibly for this investigation, is that maybe there's a financial interest. We've never seen President Trump's tax returns. So um, there are questions out and there as a citizen. And you're not going to. Right. right. You're, you're not going to see the tax yeah, returns. But maybe. I, but, but I think the problem is, is this, is that the FBI, yes, Donald Trump has attacked the FBI, but it turns out there's been some good reason to do it. I mean, look at the Lisa Page, Peter Strzok emails for, for just one example. I mean, that did more damage to the FBI's reputation than anything Donald Trump has said. And it's important, whether you're Democrat, Republican, Independent, that the FBI be viewed as a legitimate organization. And, and I, would, I would want to pivot back to, to sort of who sits at the center of all that, and that's our friend Vladimir. This guy has spent his entire professional life trying to destroy this country. And any American that wants to side with him, I view as a traitor to this country, one. Um, and two, he can't be any happier than how all of this is playing out. Because however it plays out, if Trump is, is completely exonerated and there was no, nothing, anything, and all those other convictions and all that stuff is just an illusion, but there was no convictions or, or anything, it, it damages our law enforcement okay. image. So do, and do, if, do you if he is found guilty, it damages our political apparatus. Do, do, do you also then, just because that, that's a very strong point, and I think I would agree with it, because what I've said is... It, the Democrats have been leading this charge almost from, from mid-campaign, and then when Donald Trump won, they really they escalated, pointing the finger at Russia and their involvement with Donald Trump. They've done it with congressional hearings, and they're now about to have even more power to move it for. So does every Democrat, does, does, does Adam Schiff, is Adam Schiff giving aid and comfort every single day or every time he opens his mouth? Is he giving aid and comfort to Vladimir Putin? Is he, is he giving Vladimir Putin exactly what he wants? He is raising doubt about the veracity of our elections and the credibility of the President of the United States. And are they cheering him in the Kremlin? And this is, I would say, no, he isn't. This is like chemotherapy. It's going to be painful because the questions have to be asked, the alternative is to not ask the questions and just go, ah, oh, well, whatever happened, happened, and let them interfere, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, but by and making all it's of this gonna, public, does, does this not That's the cost of being in a free society, Bruce. Here's that's the, the cost that of democracy. Rosanna. You know, we're here talking about things that we know now from hindsight. Yes. We also know that the FBI went in on Mike Flynn and were not up front about what they were doing. So I think a question hangs over their head of, the, you know, were, should they have done this? Uh, you know, from the stories I've heard, just the way they treated him, 
I don't know, you know, what they had in mind. Was he owed anything separately from any other person being investigated? Because they the courts have already ruled. Let him know. But the what courts they have already ruled that didn't. law enforcement it, can use deception. They, but they, t- but they told him not to. Br- they told him not to bring his, his lawyer. That's that's somewhat deceptive. I mean, let, let's be honest. The FBI. What what we now know about the FBI, it shocked maybe half of America. The other half of America. COINTELPRO, that's all I'm going to say. They Are know, you they serious? Know about it. They know about it. They, they believe it. Now there's now, they this don't want, outrage they don't want when the rights that, impacted but, by but, the FBI. But, but here's We've the been hypocrisy. getting impacted in my community for 50 I, years. That's what I'm saying. Here's the hypocrisy that I find so interesting is that I agree with what Dr. Beverly said initially about Russia being our, our big geopolitical foe. And it's interesting that that's what Mitt Romney said in a debate in 2012, and Barack Obama just sort of laughed at him. So maybe there should have been an investigation back then. But, but, during the campaign, Donald, during the primary campaign and during the general campaign against Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump was very clear that he wanted to treat Russians differently. He was the one that said, maybe they don't have to be their enemies. Maybe I could make friends with them. And you know what? He won the election because a lot of people, including myself, the, the idea of making friends with your enemies, that's not such a bad idea because the opposite to that is leading to a, a, a reincarnation of the Cold War Agreed. or saber-rattling, which used to, be done by, used to be done by Republicans and Democrats. You don't hear Democrats doing it anymore, but you still, I'm talking about the, you know, the, the John McCain, Lindsey Graham you know, uh, wing of the party, which was two people. Yes. They, 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 they like war. They like war. Well, I, I think that's and, and putting who, a little strong. Well, no, no. I'm, what I'm just saying is there's a lot of people, and, and they voted in the Republican primary, and they voted for, for Donald Trump because Donald Trump was, was not out there saber-rattling Correct. when it came to, this, to, the, to the Russians, to other right. parts of the world. Yes, Mark. But I would say, I mean, you're speaking to a, a, a open diplomacy, right? And, and I think that's a good thing, but I don't think you're speaking to, okay, prior to getting elected, give me some dirt via some emails you found, foreign uh, government, and let's have a meeting at my tower and exchange this information uh, with my son-in-law and, and other there members of my campaign. There isn't any candidate that's ever run for any major office that would not take a meeting with someone somewhere in a closet or wherever if they thought they were going to get dirt on the opposition. Give me a break. Republican, Democrat, liberals, or conservatives, they're dishing that all the time. Again, because it was a a Russian, Mm -hmm. I understand that. A little more suspect, but I would think you'd still want the information. I think it's context, and the context is the country that is your greatest enemy and they're only our enemy because of their possession of nuclear weapons. It's not because they're our economic equal, because they're not. They're not our technological equal, because they're not. Because they have nukes, we have to deal with these people. And That's true. the way that we've dealt with them in the Obama administration, I thought was weak. In the Bush administration, I thought was weak. In the Clinton administration, I thought was weak. And now this guy, I don't make friends with them. Vladimir Putin wants to destroy the United States of America. I, I, I can't be any clearer than that. And anything that, that helps him doesn't help us. Yeah, but he yeah. ran on making fr- trying yeah. to make friends right. with him. Yeah, and no, the but American that wasn't people a surprise to anybody. That. But who is his campaign manager? Paul Manafort, who's working for you know, for a short 
Very period short. of time. But, and Do- Donald Trump was talking about this beforehand. I'm just saying is this is another example of Donald Trump saying something during the campaign that he basically has lived up to. Now, the liberals and Democrats and many in the media say, you know, every time you've got to you've got to be blasting Vladimir Putin every day. But is there a Democrat in the U.S. Senate or, or House that's saying, you know, let's let's rev up the troops and let's throw let's throw them out of the Ukraine? Does anybody want to go to war over what what, the, what Russia did in Ukraine? And, and, and I don't know of anybody that wants to do that. Do we need to do we need to escalate it that way? There's a continuum of diplomatic options. That's what diplomacy what is all are about. They, though? What are they, though? Well, how about the sanctions that, what, that we should let go, except Steve Mnuchin wants to relax sanctions. So let's start with that area. Didn't we start with that with, with, with Obama? This happened on Obama's watch. Mm-hmm. And the I Democrats mean, he, were silent. They mocked the, the fact that... You, you are correct. They are our biggest geopolitical enemy. But they mock that throughout the Obama administration. And so, and so now, because Trump is doing it, they're against it. It's just like anything Trump proposes, whether it's foreign policy, domestic policy, it doesn't matter. They're against. Here, here's where I would Pretty much like McConnell was against anything that Obama proposed. Fair point. Thank you. So I, I would give your view more credence, Bruce, if Trump was also reaching out, creating a multi, multilateral coalition with our allies in, in, exactly. in Germany and, and England. We're just not doing that. So it's one thing to be buddy-buddy with Putin, but, you know, throw, throw Poland under the bus and, and throw our other allies um, under the bus and not support them. Okay. When we come back, uh, we've gone 30 minutes and we've not talked about the wall. Well, guess what? When we come <laughs> back, we will. We'll talk about the wall, the shutdown. How do you trade one for the other? And are the Democrats ever willing to shift, or is Donald Trump ever willing to shift? Who's going to blink first? Back shortly from Chicago. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt in in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks very much for joining us. If you're listening to us on KLBJ, listening to uh, Kenny Romeyer, uh I can tell you that uh, when our broadcast is over this evening, I'm going to be a guest on Kenny's show on KLBJ. So uh, stay tuned uh, if you're listening to us on that great radio station. We've got four great guests this evening. I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you right now. And we begin with Mark Casello. I'm Mark Casello. I'm an assistant professor of English writing and professional communications at Calumet College. I'm also founder and president of the Pullman National Monument Preservation Society, uh, which advocates for the his, uh, restoration of historic resources in the Pullman National Monument, uh, sort of the birthplace of 
uh, industrial, a nexus of industrial labor and social history on Chicago's south side. Yeah. And by the way, if, if you ever come to Chicago, uh, th- this sort of off the beaten path, it's not one of the, the, the top five or six things you'd see uh, as a tourist coming to Chicago, but it is a very unique neighborhood of the city. It is being restored thanks to the efforts of Mark and, and his colleagues, and uh, it, it, it's a great historical piece that I think a lot of people would find very, very interesting. Josh Cantro joins us. Uh, I am Josh Cantro. I'm a, a lawyer, uh, practice in the cybersecurity area, and uh, I'm a conservative and pro-Israel activist. I've got an active blog on uh, on Facebook, and um, I do some writing and uh, appear on, uh, fortunate to appear on this show. Thank you, Bruce. Phil Beverly, you've been on this program for a long time. I have, Bruce. Thank you for having me back. I'm an associate professor of political science down at Chicago State. Um, had a big win. The university and my attorneys came to a meeting of the minds on the uh, preservation of the First Amendment this week. And uh, congratulations! Legis- uh, litigative difficulties we've had. And it was long and bitter. It was over 1,600 days, yes. And you came out the victor. Yes. Did you go out and celebrate? Not yet. It hasn't really sunk in yet. (laughs) Rosanna Polito joins us. Rosanna? I'm Rosanna Polito. I'm a Latina. I was one of the original Minutemen on the Arizona-Mexico border, showing our government that the border could be secured with a lawn chair and binoculars and a telephone. We would call Border Patrol. They would come and apprehend the people we saw coming over the border. Um, I returned three times. I was invited Uh, by Congress to testify about how illegal immigration is destroying America. Uh, I ran for Congress in the Illinois 5th Congressional District when Rahm went to go be the chief of staff for Barack Obama, won the Republican nomination, lost the election, and I just like to stay in the mix. Mm. And I really want to see the wall built. By the way, I've said this a couple of times when you've been on over the last couple of years. Uh, Rosanna is, as you will hear, she's she's a very spirited guest, and and we have other spirited guests as well. But Rosanna is very unique because we go back probably 15 years ago. And when no one was talking about illegal immigration and no one was talking about the wall and no one was talking about all these issues – or she would be on a panel and everybody would just gang up on her and say all kinds of things. She kept, she kept her eye on the prize. She kept talking about the issue. And I, and I have to say, is, and we have a lot of political activists here, uh, some of whom live for the day that their issue really becomes the issue of the country. And you have done that. So how does it make you personally feel that literally – uh, every newscast is now led by a story about the wall, the battle for the wall, illegal immigration, because you've been at this for over 15 years, and your issue is now issue number one on America's political burner. Yeah, it, it, it hurts me in a sense because I have a government that's uh, not responsive. I believe the border since 2005, and there's people who went before me who sounded the alarm and people looked at them like they had three heads. Mm-hmm. But this is a national security issue. I walk and talk with friends that have had family members killed by illegal aliens. So um, I'm thrilled that it's coming to the forefront. I just read an article saying that they found 
prayer rugs and Korans at the border. We found those in 2005, and that was made public, but they're bringing it now in 2019 like it's something new. So it also teaches me how long it takes the wheels to turn. And, and one, one follow-up question. You said that once upon a time you went to the border with lawn chairs and binoculars. That's correct. Um, would that work now? It would. I mean, Absolutely. If we got enough people with lawn chairs and binoculars, would that defeat the purpose of the wall? Well, no. We were showing our government that, you know, we needed to have eyes and ears and people there. We had, at that time thought we were helping the Border Patrol, saying, I see 10 subjects coming across. No, the, because too much has, uh, you know, gone and our Border Patrol is in danger. Their lives are in danger. I'm tired of seeing law enforcement being beaten, killed, and all the rest. I remember uh, the two border agents who were thrown in jail, uh, Ramos and Campion, and they were released. They were given a pardon. But um, we have to do something for these people. And now we're seeing uh, the caravans that are coming up. We know they're organized professionally. And we saw they have tear gas now and rocks and how guns. Do you, and how do you know that? It, it was reported by the news, and you see the videos of it. But how, how do you know that, that, that someone was there conspiring to do it? Well, if Are you, you putting a name on any of these people? Well, one of them uh, is from, you know, I can't remember the name of the law center. He was the president. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's down there now. There are names. I'm sorry they don't come to mind right away, but yes. Uh, now, Mark Casello, uh, I'm, I'm assuming based on your past appearances, you're on the complete opposite side of Rosanna. So based on, on what she's just said to us, uh, speaking from the passion that she's had on it, where is she wrong? Where, where, where would you acknowledge that she's right, and, and where do you want to challenge her on her facts? Yeah, and it's one of the reasons I enjoy this show, because where else in America are, as a Trump avid wall supporter, sitting across from a Bernie bro uh, like me? So, so first I would say that um, the problem, I would agree that there is a problem in our immigration system. Um, I am a, a child, I'm a first-generation American. My mother's a legal immigrant from Norway. My grandfather's uh, Italian side, half his brothers and sisters were born in Italy. They had 14 children, immigrated to the U.S. legally um, with seven of their children, and then proceeded to have seven more uh, located and settled in Chicago. So if we had a functional legal immigration system for those folks legitimately seeking asylum, for those students who come here and we educate in our universities of higher education, and then we want them to stay, keep those people from uh, leaving our country and encourage them to stay and participate in our economy, to bring workers from Mexico uh, uh, and other nations uh, to work in our agricultural, uh, professional industries, um, but have a legal system. So I think, you know, I would agree that something's definitely broken in our immigration system. And I feel some, in some ways we're in kind of a period like the 1920s nativism uh, in the U.S. Where I, where I would disagree, though, um, or I would say that where the wall isn't a solution is we're not treating the root cause. Which, number one, in all these dialogues about the wall, no one's talking, they're talking about the drugs flowing across the border, but no one speaks about America's voracious appetite for narcotics that's fueling this. Um, our, how that's affected uh, and created a civil war in Mexico, essentially, where half a million people have died. 
Um, that spiked immigration. People wanted to flee the violence. And now we have uh, El Salvador, uh, Honduras, and Guatemala, political destabilization, people wanting to come for asylum, and we need to but be when you sh- working when- with our partner right. Mexico and, and bringing those people mm-hmm. in, dividing our resources between these two nations, and help settle these people who are fleeing and trying to just protect their family, same way my relatives did a generation ago. I two. want to ask Phil to follow up on what you just said, and I'll have you chime in as well with Josh. And the, the point is, when you see people, whether, whether they're doing it out of their own volition or somebody is paying them to do it, when you see hundreds or, in some cases, thousands of people in Central America getting together and looking in some organized way that they're going to come and rush our border, are you worried about that? Is that should we as a nation... Should we as a nation be worried about that? Someone is, is, is coming, they're, they're going to attack our, our defenses and, and, the, and the way in which we process people coming to the country. I've I got to tell you, Bruce, if, if we're worried about a bunch of women and children hiking from Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, just throw the gates open How right about now. Men? How about men? Again, we have the most powerful law enforcement and most powerful military in the history of mankind. Yeah. And I, I don't really think that a few hundred or even a few thousand migrants are going to, like, storm the, but the walls did. of the Bastille. But they did. And the republic hasn't fallen as a result. And we haven't had mass casualties. We have a process, if we use the process, of dealing with the various categories of people who immigrate here. The illegal immigrants who cross at other than border crossings, they should be apprehended, detained, status determination, deported. By but would you acknowledge, that's what but we would do. Would you acknowledge it, that if you, had th- if you had thousands of people coming, march, giving you plenty of advance warning, they come and they literally they, they, they rush the gates because administratively we are not ready to process them. If, if you just have advanced warning, you should have enough time to have a plan. This is where they fail. I want to ask that question, Josh. Yes. Is there some truth to the fact that we knew these people were coming? Should the Trump administration... Should they have done a better job in administratively being ready for them? Okay. We're talking about the caravans, which is sort of a symbol of the issue. The reality is, is that we have huge open areas on our border, and the wall has been proven to work. Look at what's happened in San Diego. When they put a wall up, I think in the Clinton administration, in the early Bush administration, walls were put up in the Obama administration. It's only because Trump is proposing it that now I, okay. they don't I've want been it. To we've got, we got to pause. We're going to give a follow-up. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly. But we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers 
have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Brewster back in Chicago this past week. The, uh, the president did something he had not done before. He went to the Oval Office for a national address. I don't know why it's taken him so long. He, uh, he addressed the nation. He obviously uh, talked about uh, the need for the wall as part of a bigger, broader uh, protection of national security and humanitarian crisis, which he called for at the wall. And then the networks all gave the Democrats an opportunity to respond. So uh, Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, went on screen, and there they were. Uh, for those that have not seen this picture, it's sort of indelibly etched in the minds of uh, many uh, Democrats. Uh, I want to ask my Democrats. When you look at that picture, Phil Beverly, what was your first response? I'm shaking your head for those in radio. I hoped that they would that the the Democrats would have had uh, a different spokesperson. Um, if you want to claim the the moral high ground, have Jimmy Carter say something. Okay. Yeah, Mark Casello, just as the as the as a pure political document, that picture with Chuck and Nancy, how devastating was it politically? It was not good optics. The, it, was not, it was not good. I want to see younger faces, more exciting, new, fresh, progressive faces of the Democratic Party. It's time to move on. When, uh, you, when you say younger, at least in their 50s? Yeah, let's get into okay. the, the mid-40s. Kids. <laughs> Josh, I want to get reaction from our we Republican when you saw that We were talking before about uh, storming uh, the yeah. border. Yeah. And I want to say, I've been to two different countries, and I can't think, well, this, uh, to be honest, if you stormed their border, you wouldn't be alive today. That's the way other countries handle it. You know, to, this is absolute nonsense. But there's also other casualties of non-citizens in the United States are on welfare. That's 4.6 million households. So you're asking also the American people to give taxes to take care of these people. So it is our wall. We are involved. I want my taxes to go to help people, veterans, homeless veterans, tsunami of senior citizens that are coming down that, that built the country, those who fought for the country, that's where I want my taxes to go. Amen. I agree with that. That was so well put. And I'd like to hear more talk from the administration about that, about helping our citizens versus helping people that are not citizens and who are trying to cut in line and come here illegally. But I want to talk about a wall. I want to ask you one quick question. Sure. At this moment in time, Given the wall versus the shutdown, the way it's being played by the political parties, the way, way it's being paid, played by the president uh, and by the media, is Donald Trump winning the battle for the wall now? Well, among – it doesn't matter if he's winning among Democrats because he's no. going to never win among Democrats. Much the question the, uh, is – Independence. Independence, and that's what happened in the midterms. That's where we lost in terms of the House race. So is he losing now? That's my question. The, the polls say he is, but the, 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 the greater danger to him is that he doesn't get the money because the base, this is, this is a core issue with the base. 
he has delivered so many promises. This is the most honest president in America when it comes to delivering campaign promises. But this is his biggest. Okay. I'm going to switch to the Democrats now because I agree with with what Josh said about the, the Trump base. What about the Democratic base? Can Chuck and Nancy do anything to buck their base, which says no money for the wall? And, and or, or I guess a better question is: Do you believe that that a hundred percent of the people that call themselves Democrats in this country, Mark, don't want that wall? I know you don't want it. I don't think Phil wants it. But what about are there, are there moderate to conservative Democrats out there that say, you know what, I want a wall? I am actually pleasantly surprised by the the resolve of uh, Chuck and Nancy, as President Trump would say. I'm so used to the Democrats waffling and caving um, and not taking a stand that it is sort of refreshing to see them um, take this stand. But I I think it's not enough just to resist the wall. I think they should be putting forward some sort of immigration reform. And and don't play into Trump's rhetorical game of border security because you keep validating an issue that's really... uh, it's, I know it's very important to some of the guests here tonight and some people out there in the United States, but illegal immigration uh, to the United States in terms of our, our national security, in terms of our economic is- interest, it's, I would say it's lower on the scale of importance in it, most it, Americans' it lives. It used to be important to, to Democrats. education, It was, it was important to Barack Obama. It was important to Nancy you Pelosi. It was, it was very important Bill to Clinton. them. Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, sure. we have all the statements. <laughs> They used to be for border security, but because Trump proposes it, but it's not not. border security we need. We've got most of these immigrants. The the, about two thirds have been in the country over ten years, Um, and you know that's the Pew Research data. Fifteen thousand on the way. Fifteen thousand is nothing in a in a country of three hundred and twenty-five million people. That's one hundredth of a percent. But if we don't show results, how many is too many? If 15,000 doesn't get your attention, what's the number? Does everybody in Central America, do we let them all in? I mean, they're all suffering, right? Do we, no, so, do, literally, so, do, do we let them all in and move them to Montana because they got a lot of space up and there? And how many are you sure. going to take in your house? At some, point, at some point, we're going to have to acknowledge that we have some responsibility over time for this condition. And we haven't done that yet, but we're going to have to do that. And I think we should be getting closer to that point. The second thing is we've got to to understand this in a more nuanced way. Illegal immigrants are different than asylum seekers. Right. We've got to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly with another full hour. Standing up for what's right, helping out when things go wrong, 
seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt debt in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. I want to ask our, our Democrats, now that you have control of the House, and I know you're all excited about that, but uh, for each of you, how much time do you want the leadership of your party spending on impeachment-related issues as opposed to other issues? Phil Beverly, start with you. Um, because impeachment is a political thing and there should be some factual foundation for it, um, I think you wait until the facts are in. The other thing is it doesn't take long once the facts are in to generate articles of impeachment. It, it's a fairly straightforward process. And it's going to be utterly meaningless unless there's, like, rock-solid evidence that there was, like, crimes committed that resonate with people and put enough Republican senators under pressure that they would vote to remove them. So you're, you're hoping happen. that the Mueller report is going to be a piece of uh, dynamite? 
I, I'm hoping that the Mueller report will reveal what they find. That's all. What did they find? I, I got to tell you, Robert Mueller, as a guy, is one of those guys who's, to me, all-American guy. I don't know what his political beliefs are. I know he fought in Vietnam, near and dear to my heart, right? Um, I know he's been in public service his entire career and that his ethical foundation appears to be above reproach. So I expect him to just provide me the facts. Okay. Mark Casello? Yeah, I would, I would say I don't, I don't want to see impeachment as a big, um, you know, if, it, if the facts bear it, um, sure, uh, as, as Philip said. But uh, instead, I'd like to see the Democrats putting forward a progressive agenda, um, even if it's not going to pass the Senate. It's the same way when the Republicans had the majority in the House but didn't control the Senate. They repealed health care 37 times. <laughs> um, but the, the public knew what they stood for, um, for, for better or for worse, whether I agreed with it or not. So I think here's a chance for the Democrats to start writing some legislation, planning what they're going to do, what's the platform for 2020, what are the issues going forward. I'd rather see that than two years of wasted um, time on on things that we don't know. It's all speculation, conjecture. Does does Representative Cortez and all the publicity that she gets now, in your view, is that helpful to electing a Democratic president? So I, I think what's really nice, I, I don't know about the media fixation on her specifically, but she's bringing to light issues that matter to the American people. I think we would not be talking about Medicare for all at this moment if it wasn't for her out there putting that back on the table. It was a, we couldn't even say public option during the health care debate without you know, President Obama re- you know, recoiling. So I think the idea that Medicare for all is out in the conversation, financial transaction tax, uh, increasing the top marginal rate, these things were not discussed. So I think it's good. Uh, it's healthy for our democracy to have these conversations. Josh and Roseanne, I want to get your perspective. Given the fact that, the, 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 that Representative Cortez has become sort of a media darling, and uh, those that have uttered, hey, let's get rid of ICE, that has been repeated over and over again, even though that's not the official policy of the Democratic Party. It is being affixed to many Democrats, some who've said it, some who've implied it, by the national news media. So my question to each of you is, is the national news media that you generally dislike, are they inadvertently or deliberately, are they creating an image of the Democratic Party that may be far more left than it really is? Well, I every time... Keeping in mind that Joe Biden's name gets popped up there all the time. Every time Cortez comes out with another crazy socialist idea, I love it. I love the attention that is being paid to her because, you know what, that's going to be great for us painting the Democratic Party for what they really are. Okay. Rosanna, what do you think? Absolutely. I I agree with uh, what you said. So give them the rope and they'll hang themselves. Yes, please. And, and, you know, the other lady who is a congresswoman now, uh, using uh, some swear words and directing them towards Trump, um, everybody should be outraged. Nobody wants that kind of talk. She got slapped down pretty much by, I think, everybody. Not everybody. But again, the leadership of the House sort of backed away from that rather quickly. They they knew that those references were going to be over the line. But mm-hmm. but again, it's part of the you know for, for the for the for the true believers of, of the left. They love it, right? 
Yeah, there's there's a way to, to say things, but hey, we're think of some of the things President Trump has said. I think it's within the, the realm of uh, what's acceptable discourse Absolutely. now. Absolutely, oh, but it's not, it's, not in that, much. it's not in that li- not not at that oh, level. Well, they're, they're, Bruce, this guy is, is has I'm alienated denying, every I'm group of people in the denying, country, I'm not and denying. so when somebody fires back at him, oh, you can't say that about oh, no, it. I, no, this what I love about Donald Trump is that he's made it okay to say anything, and so now okay. we got to deal with hearing it from the other side. So we're going to blame him. But, you know, I'm going to just say right now, I come to this table, if I'm invited to be on the show, I know because I respect Bruce, you're going to carry yourself in a certain aspect. There's lines that you're not going to cross. Just because we're intelligent human beings, we want to show courtesy to each other. That's what I mean. Yeah. And we've had some people, we've had a, a guest in the last six months on your side of the table who didn't. She didn't do that. She didn't do a good job, and she's not been invited back, nor will she. Um, so the question is, and I want to ask you, Phil, because you're, you're, you're both sort of uh, in touch with, it, with your constituencies through your, uh, one of your constituencies, your, 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 your students. Um, when Democrats who are living on the south or west side or southwest side who are not, they are middle or lower middle class in their economic station in life. What do they say, or if anything, to you when the National Democratic Party spends so much time talking about impeachment and and Adam Schiff gets on the air? Because what I'm thinking is, and again, I want to tell me if you think I'm wrong here. If, If I was in that condition... I'd want to know what are they going to do to make my life better. And frankly, no matter when, when Adam Schiff opens his mouth, there isn't anything that he says that makes me feel that he is going to make my life better. And if Donald Trump is a traitor and he did all these things with Russia, it's not going to affect my life at all. Mark. Yeah, the worry I have is that um, for the students I teach uh, who come from uh, they're underserved students uh, and we're an open Roman institution, they're, to me, alarmingly politically disengaged when they enter university. And it takes a lot of um, work and, and energy to get them um, to realize that they're part of this system. They've been excluded so long that they, they're not even going to follow the politics or know who the people are in some cases. And so um, a person like Trump who comes along and throws out a lot of demagoguery and makes it in, into the memes and things, um, he might get some traction with some of these students who aren't as engaged. But Adam Schiff would, would put them to sleep, I'd have to say, within mm-hmm. an instant. They would not be listening to Adam Schiff. He's not speaking to them. Right. Um, but Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez does, I think, Absolutely. when she talks about free college tuition and, and state-funded tuition and, and those kinds of things. Are yeah. there those on the Republican side? Put, put names to them if you wish. Are there people on the Republican side who you think are doing a disservice to the Republican base? Because yes. they're either saying obvious things or, or outrageous things. Well, it's, uh, Stephen King, okay. it, for, for one. I mean, Stephen King, I hope, is excommunicated from the Republican Party. we got to pause back shortly from Chicago. Standing up for what's right. Helping out when things go wrong. Seeking the truth and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, 
and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, The Experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. We're still about back in Chicago. Let's go to Valparaiso, Indiana. Sherry is listening to us tonight. She's listening on Facebook. Go ahead, Sherry. Hi. Um, I wanted to call and support our president for building a physical wall. Yes. It seems that Nancy Pelosi wants to build a technological wall. Well, we've been there and done that back in 2006. Um, we spent something like $30 billion through Boeing to build a virtual fence, and it never worked. And this reminds me of that commercial where the bank robbers come in and yell, everyone hit the floor, and only the security guard remains standing, and that woman customer looks up at the guard and whispers, do something, and the security guard says, oh, I'm not a security guard. I'm only a security monitor. And that's the difference between a real (laughs) wall and a virtual one. That illustrates the problem. We want to stop them from coming in. We don't want to monitor um, the illegals coming across the border. Let me uh, me ask you this question. I want to ask everyone around the table. Um, When Donald Trump talked about the wall for the first time, do you think he had already had any conversation with any security expert on how to properly secure the border, uh, southern border of the United States. Does anybody believe that such a conversation took place? Absolutely. He's been so. talking to the Border Patrol, yes. When he, w- before he became president? Before yeah, he before, became yeah, when, president? When he started to talk about the wall. I know he's been talking with them recently, okay. as he should. Because I, I, I guess my question is, I mean, I have been to portions of the border. Some of them are geographically very difficult to create a so any kind of a device that would that would separate, uh, you know, Mexicans from from the United States uh, soil. But my question is, I don't know whether. In fact, it seems to me, I don't know how anybody could make a case that all aspects of the barrier should be a wall, or all aspects should be the steel barrier. Because I have heard reports, and I heard with my own eyes, or my own ears, rather, this goes back many years ago, is that the Border Patrol agents that I spoke with in San Isidro, California, they liked the idea of something that you could look through. So you could look through the other side. And that a concrete wall, there could be all kinds of mischief going on on the other side, and you wouldn't necessarily see it if you were doing your your patrol. So I'm wondering who who was the real expert. And by the way, absent the Democrats who say they don't want a concrete wall, I'd love to hear Chuck and Nancy use their airtime and go on and explain what do they mean when they want to protect the wall. I, I think that would be a, be great to hear exactly what yes. they want, given that they're Experts. on record as supporting 
a wall or a fence or whatever it was when Obama and Clinton, etc., were doing it. But also it. explaining high-tech they have talked about. We tried that with Boeing. We wasted billions of dollars in 2006, 2007. So we need to understand what their new plan is. Yeah. Yes. And would you, well, that, would you accept that, that technology does sort of advance over time and the technology of 2006 and 2007 may not be deployed in 2019? Well, for I'm a billion saying. dollars, you know, I would expect that they had the best. I, I can well, tell I'm, you something. I would expect if the whether government did it, it was the lowest bidder. So. Whether you were the president or whether you were the Democrats. The, uh, because this is now... This discussion has split the American people. We need an expert or a group of experts who are going to testify to the American people. Here's how you protect the border. You protect it with a wall, a a, a cement wall that is X thousands of dollars and X thousands of miles. And here's where you're going to go into electronic. And here's where you're going to go into drones. Give the American people the complete plan. Yes. So you can't have Democrats saying, well, I support border security, and you never know what the hell they're talking about. And that might be a way to resolve this. In fact, that could be you hold public hearings on this. You get the experts in front of Congress, a bipartisan commission in Congress, and that's how you resolve this. We need and the then, wall and, now. and the people we who need would, the wall But now. you're not going to get the wall now. That's the problem. I think we are. It's a 2,000-mile border, right? And how much of that is privately owned that you have to exercise eminent domain to get? Yes. Some experts have said it will take 10 years to get that wall. Then Can we stop with this idea well. that this thing is going to be built tomorrow? It, it's not going to happen. The same debate took place in Israel 10 years ago. A wall is not going to work. Suicide attacks coming in, buses being blown up, cafes being blown up. And you know what? There were a lot of naysayers and a lot of people who proclaimed to be experts in Israel said a wall will never work. You know what? The wall has worked beautifully in Israel with almost like oh. 99.99%. We've heard and from men and women and on the border who it. put their lives on the line every day, and I'd rather listen to them because they're there and they know a wall is going to work. I would, I, I would too, but I will bet you, I, I, I would challenge you, Rosanna, that not all Border Patrol agents, they might not agree on, on what a wall really is. They will say some sort of barrier. I, I totally agree with that. But there are some that would say, I like the idea of, of, the, uh, of, the, of the steel. And yet I saw the picture on NBC the other night of how the steel was cut out. So well, that doesn't play. Home Depot. But, that doesn't, oh that doesn't play. But my question is, if, if we were to, if C-SPAN were to have, you know, a, a week's worth of testimony from all sides and come up with a recommendation, I'd like to see if the Democrats and Republicans would support that. Mark. All right. So I just got to speak out here. So first of all, we're in an administration where it denies climate change exists when the vast majority of the scientific community um, is coming out with data, with, with studies and science. So the idea that somehow we're going to impanel a committee that's going to solve this issue that involves anthropology, sociology, political science, economics, civil engineering, civil engineering mechanical engineering, in, in some sort of set of hearings uh, is just laughable. What we need, but I mean, it's not a bad idea to want to get some facts and information. He's, he's and in the real estate business. He builds buildings. Right, but he gets people to say, okay, and he doesn't this trust is, other people's brains. He trusts his own 
gut. He said that. Right. So and how do we know that bringing people who actually might know something, have a if public, it doesn't, if it's not congruent with his mindset, it doesn't matter. Have a public hearing that educates him and educates his constituents. Because you know what? His constituents might agree with it. You know what? I basically support the concept of a barrier. But you know what? I'm not going to say here on Sunday night that I think it has to be a concrete barrier. I'm a talk show host. What do I know about building barriers? But you know what? I want to keep the people on the other side out. There's got to be ways to do it. it it's, a wall could do it. But again, if you throw a ladder over the wall, the wall is going to work. Or, do you electrify it? Do you or, put Constantina wire? But, do you have, but you why know, are the if, people if we, coming? It certainly right. worked in Southern California. Look at, yeah, what, look at what's happened with uh, the vast decrease in illegal border crossings in the San Diego, Tijuana area after the wall was but put But where up. were there increases in illegal border crossings? And it, if you play this Elsewhere. out, if you spend the $25 billion— and I, I, I'm going to imagine that that's monopoly money. But you're going to spend the $25 billion. The opportunity cost there is that you didn't spend $25 billion on some other strategy mm-hmm. to address the issue, Absolutely. right? So if we play this out and say, okay, we're magically going to give Donald his wall. We've got this big concrete medieval Maybe it thing built. Maybe $25 billion. That's what he's asked for, okay. right? He said that, $25 billion. He wants 5.6 5. 6 now so take six. And, and the rest, so, right? So, so what happens once the wall's built? If I'm, the, the way things happen in my read of history is you found, find what the counter is. So now the wall's built. If I want to get from A to B and the wall's in the way, I go over or I go under. Or maybe I go through. Because if you're not monitoring and if you still don't have the personnel so to be on the nothing. other side. So, National security, here, let's do that's nothing. A yeah. false and then that's a say, false so what, choice. That's a false choice. This do is not Democrats about doing want? nothing. What do the Democrats want? What are Chuck and Nancy proposing that we do to secure our border and to secure our right to sovereignty? How about... Open the government first right. and stop no, punishing no, no, the no, people no. who work Reform in that area that in border, a, border that security. Is a, that is, a, the political, that is a political answer because the president is saying, I'm, I don't trust you, Chuck and Nancy, to come up with a plan to seriously deal with this issue because you're on record as saying, just a minute, you're on record as saying, I'm going to give you a dollar. Now, is that a serious discussion? And on our Especially side? when the Democratic Party in the past, the party, the Democratic Party in the past has supported this. We go back to the 1996 when Bill Clinton was the president. I mentioned this last week. The sieve on the, San, uh, on the border between San Isidro, uh, California, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, which was and Tijuana. Tijuana. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was the big issue. That's, that's, that's what first brought me to the wall in 1996. And you know what? Bar- the Democratic senators, Barbara Boxer, Dianne Feinstein, all the political leaders in Congress, Bill Clinton. It was called Operation Gatekeeper. Janet Reno was in charge of it. I mean, the point is they reacted to public support, and the Democrats led the way on creating a border and breaking down in California. And now, because Donald Trump is president, it's immoral, and we're going to only give you a okay. dollar. And this, and, is, it and this is January it 13th, and we've had a Democratic House for 10 days. Where was the Republican majority for, for the first two years building the wall? 
How, they, he couldn't well, even get his own party to absolutely. support it. I you totally needed 60 senators. You then needed convince s- some Democrats. Right. Negotiate. I agree with you that the Republicans screwed it up. But Thank on you. the other hand, I did if too. the Democrats knew that they were going to take control, they should have an idea now. There should be somebody as a representing the Democratic Party calling a press conference because all this homework I've asked for, they should have done it. And they've said, we're going to spend this on concrete, we're going to spend this on, on walls, and we're going to come up with a plan. They, t- they don't even acknowledge that we need a plan. Back shortly from Chicago. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. Credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We We put put debt in its place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Let's go to calls. Let's go to Roger listening to us on KLBJ in Austin, Texas. And a reminder to you, Roger, uh, at 8 o'clock tonight when our program is over, I'm going to stick around and I'm going to be a guest with Kenny Rummeyer tonight. So well, I'll have to just listen to that a little longer. you got to listen a little bit longer. Go ahead. How can we help you? Well, Bruce, first of, first of all, I want to say I'm glad to see that you're healing up and you really look great. Well, thank you very much. Yes. For those who are watching on uh, television or YouTube for the last uh, several weeks, I've been bandaged up because uh, my doctor had given me a, a chemotherapy for my uh, facial skin cancer. And I used it for three and a half weeks. I look like, as you know, I look like I lost a hockey fight. Uh, but it works <laughs> if you're watching on TV. There's no blemishes, and it's all come back to where it was when I was 15 years old. So go ahead. <laughs> on the wall, um, one of your uh, panelists there had mentioned the San Diego reduction, and that's the Yuma sector, and it absolutely benefited from putting a wall in uh, they had a 90% reduction there. And, you know, you mentioned a plan. Well, the DHS uh, has a very specific plan to use this money. Uh, they're going to build 215 miles of border wall. And, and they're, they're kind of leaning towards doing what they call a bollard wall, which is a, a slap type of steel wall. It's very tall, and it works real well. You mentioned that uh, some of the border agents like that because they could see you know, mm-hmm. on the other side and see the activity right. through the wall itself. But, you know, a lot of people are trying to spin this thing that there's, uh, oh, the, the problem doesn't exist. Uh, there, there's not many people coming across. Well, there's been a 136% increase, according to the Border Patrol's own uh, statistics, of families coming across, and there was a 25% increase just last year. So we're, we're starting to see a lot more people approaching our border and trying to breach it. Um, they say, oh, well, there's a lot of visa overstays. 
Absolutely. That is a problem, too, but it's not an either-or problem. Both of them are, are troubling. And there's, you know, last year we apprehended over a half a million people crossing our border. Those are the ones we caught. There was a tremendous number that we didn't catch. And, and Roger, know- let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question here. Based on what you have just said, would you acknowledge if, if part of what the president has to do is to continue to make his case for a wall, and he's, he's, he's brought it down to a wall, that's what he's talked about for a long time, the Democrats and the media always say, well, you said Mexico was going to pay for it. Obviously, that's an Achilles heel for the president. He shouldn't have said that. Not likely to happen. But again, it, it puts the president on, 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 on defense. But my question to you is, if indeed it is it, it, that, that those that are overstaying their visas came in via you know, an airport somewhere and the numbers are large, it would seem to me that the Department of Homeland Security should make an extra special effort, especially now, they should make an extra special effort of demonstrating how many of those people have been sought out, arrested, or in the process of being, you know, uh, uh, transported back or deported back to their countries. And that, ju- that should be a report that, frankly, the White House gives every single week mm-hmm. because it, re- it, takes one, it takes a point that the Democrats and independents and even myself, I mean, I would like to see that corrected as well. But, that, but when everything is about the wall, the wall, the wall, it doesn't, have the, it doesn't have the strength of the statistics to back it up. And I would like to see that, be, or, because if not, the question is going to be about the, the mistakes that are being made with those that are coming to the country. They're not being treated properly. They're staying in, in, in poor housing. Infants are dying. I mean, those stories take over. And and likewise, if you really want to go after the people who continue to hire illegal immigrants, you've got to talk every single day about E-Verify. If you don't believe in E-Verify, you are not serious. There needs to be people who hire people illegally. They have got to go away in handcuffs, Mm -hmm. marched out. Every third night night in this country, we should be talking about raids – of small businesses and small industries that have been raided by the federal government to track down and to root out those that are illegal and the people that hire them. That's what's got to be this. We've got to move away from just the cop of the wall because the, the wall needs more beef. And I frankly think that if the federal government did that, I think the support for the wall would, would go up, not down. That is a great point. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. There are many contours and facets to the problem, and, and, and they all need to be addressed. But Hang on a second. You, uh, uh, we have a guest that's sort of shaking his head no with my comments, so I want to let him share his thoughts. Well, I, I agree that uh, going after him, if we're going to practice law and order in the country, then going after employers who hire undocumented people is warranted. But I think you'd be frightened of what you might find. I think you'd be careful what you wish for because you don't want to see some of America's best and brightest companies being held to account for this because the use of contractors and subcontractors is where a lot of this comes from. Secondly, if what I they have been- are the best and brightest of American companies, I would expect them to follow the law. And if they don't follow the law, they should be arrested just like someone who's going, you know, who, who doesn't have his green card when he's picked up. 
If you break the law, laws are to be enforced, period. That's not always uh, – American corporations aren't always held to the same standard as individual lawbreakers we should. and citizens. He's but, saying that we should, though. Right. So and do, I, you, do so you support I, that? I support that, and I would say this. What I haven't heard from conservatives that I would like to hear, and it kind of goes to Bruce's point, which is, okay, we're, if we're asking for $5.6 billion, why don't you give that to the, to the six most affected border states – and let the states decide how they're going to manage their own borders. This is a, one of the a traditional conservative kind of idea. Um, block grant that some of that, at least a portion of that money out to the states um, so that we can have alternative programs to help these people who are immig- immigrating, who are refugees. Um, I, I think there's a lot more. What do you think of that idea, Rosanna? If the states, yeah, and accountability... Uh, like Boeing, who got all that money, did not have accountability. But, so, yes, the So states, I disagree. Yes. These people come into the interior of the country. This is not a state issue. It is a federal issue. And $5.6 yes. billion needs to be deployed to protect the United States border. And that's what needs to happen to move this thing along. All these other things, what Bruce said about – I've been – screaming for the rooftops for weeks. It can't just be about the wall. It's got to be about a more comprehensive approach. It has to be a comprehensive plan. Yes. yes. Right. Here, Absolutely. the headlines. Illegal immigrants cited for theft of 39 million social security numbers. It has all these tentacles. You know, we yep. talk about one thing, and you right. can just go off and find all these other different problems and that what's arise. what's the source for that, Rosanna? Uh, this is the Washington Examiner. Okay. Came out this year, two thousand or two thousand eighteen, excuse me. But I think if well, there, to your to, to Roger, back to you. Well, there, there, there's this seems to be this this discussion of technology versus physical barriers, but there's a there's a key thing there. These physical barriers last for decades. Technology gets obsolete very quick, and I think Democrats favor that because they can turn it off when they want to change policy, whereas a fixed barrier is there for a long time. That's it's a good the point. most bang per dollar for the American taxpayer, and they don't want to put it everywhere. The plan that DHS has is only 200-and-something miles, yeah. and it's where the high-crossing uh, locations right. are. And it makes it far more difficult for people. You know, we can't wall off the whole border. If you've been down on the Rio Grande, it's not practical. The geography doesn't lend itself well. But there are places where there's a lot of crossing activity that these walls are targeted, and they're specifically. Go to DHS, Department of Homeland Security's website. There are statistics on how well these barriers work and exactly where they want to put them and how many Roger, models they're putting in. Roger, you, you, you are spewing so much common sense. <laughs> I mean, it, this, by the way, this is what I had hoped the president would have discussed from the Oval Office. The speech was okay. It was only nine minutes. It could have been another five minutes. And it could have laid out in very practical terms some of the things that you've just said. Explain to the American people, explain to the 62 million people who voted for Donald Trump, an expanded definition of border control that is above and beyond just the wall. Clearly, so that it looks like he's talked with his experts, he's talked with Border Patrol, and he's coming up with a comprehensive plan. When he just says the wall, 
it gives every network newscast an opportunity to replay a, a point from his speech when he talked about the wall and then who's going to pay for it. It, it reinforces yeah. a bad image. If the guy would just demonstrate an ability to articulate a plan, read it off the teleprompter, let other people write it, let him deliver it. But it answers every question that either you have asked in your call this evening or we've discussed in the last 15 minutes on this program. This country would be far better off. There would be less gnashing of the teeth, and the Democrats would have to step up with some specifics, and they would not be able to critique and knock down everything the president said if it was backed up by experts, not just his political team. And in the meantime, well, the government is still shut down. And to, to Roger's point, I, I hear his point, two <laughs> words, Maginot Line. That's completely different. That is a completely different content. On that note, we on that mode of disagreement, Roger, thanks very much. Great call this evening. Stick with us when we're on with Kenny after the 8 o'clock hour. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly from Chicago. It's a bully. But we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. I want to go right around the table, starting with you, Rosanna. One week from tonight, will the government still be shut down? Yes. Yes. Josh Cantrell, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Philip Beverly? Yeah, probably. Mark? Yes. And I agree. We all think the government's going to be shut down. What service of the federal government are we around this table going to miss First, what's the first service that we're going to we're going to feel it somehow? Rosanna? I feel unaffected by it, honestly. Unaffected. Okay. Yes. So you're not expecting a refund from the IRS or Oh, they already said that there will be no delay. No delay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good to know. I I'm a lawyer. I I feel like uh it's going to start getting really bad in the court system if if things don't get moving explain that well I, <clears throat> the federal courts are part of the federal government and uh right now people are not getting or some people in the federal court system are not getting paid criminal cases are getting prioritized over civil litigation so is chapel being protected el chapo 
Uh, is he being protected? He he is he is being let him out to go around. Uh, he, he is being Italy, he is it? being protected. But 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 the bottom line is there really has not been a lot of pain yet, and until that happens, it's going to continue. How are they going to feel at first, Phil? I still think it's going to be IRS, and what I'm most concerned about actually is FAA and air traffic controllers, given their sort of high-stress environment. That first near-miss that is a high-profile near-miss, yes. I think that's going to get some folks' attention. Okay. Uh, the EPA, uh, there's been a lot of issues with water treatment and, and water quality, air quality, um, and nobody's uh, watching that right now. And they were already stretched thin to begin with. FDA um, as well. Yeah. Okay, Frank in uh, Littlefield, Arizona, listening on the Internet. Go ahead, Frank. Yeah, hi, Bruce. I'm very much enjoying the show. Thank I you. am very much for having a border wall where it works, and I know that it will work. But uh, I've also felt that it's been somewhat of a distraction. You never have any talk about having local police involved in addressing the issue of illegal immigration. And that, I believe, has never happened because it actually would work also. The uh, local policeman on the beat, he runs into all of these people, and I've spoken to many of them, and they're not allowed to do anything about any illegal that they encounter. It's always said, well, it's a federal issue, and they want to drop it at that. But you know what? Uh, this really is an invasion Back in 1986, when Ronald Reagan signed an amnesty for about 3 million illegal aliens, that number itself said that we had been invaded. Now Yale says we have more than 20 million, and I'm sure it's more like 30 or 40 million. This is a full-scale invasion, and it's destroying this country. I can see it everywhere that I go in Los Angeles, California, Arizona, and Nevada, and it's not funny, and yet they won't let local police get involved. Uh, they can't touch the issue. How do you and, see? How uh, do you border, see the wall Frank? Time, how do you, you see the, the destruction? Frank, how do you see the destruction? Can you define the destruction that you see in LA and elsewhere? Sure, absolutely. You see food carts, vendors that have no licenses all over the streets. You see small towns that formerly used to be American towns and are now completely Latino, Spanish speaking. You go to um, uh, Palmdale, California around the sheriff's department, the station there, there's nothing but illegal aliens living all around it. You know, you look at the schools, and what used to be American schools are now pretty much third-world uh, Spanish-speaking uh, classrooms. That's, that's what we're looking at. I think everybody that uh, takes a good look at these areas understands the level of destruction that has been wrought. Mark. Well... Frank, I think, has illustrated why we're having such a problem coming to find common ground on this issue. When we speak about people coming with their families, coming with their children, and describe it as an invasion, an attack to dehumanize people, and only half of the immigrants uh, who are undocumented are from Mexico, according to the Pew Research Center, talking about them rushing the border, calling them rapists, calling them criminals, these things. You know, President Reagan, President uh, Clinton, President Obama, never took away the humanity of these people. They, they may have broken the law to come into the country, but these are people just like you and me. They're no different than my grandparents who came here um, from other countries, but they need a pathway. They need legal immigration needs to be expanded. We need our processes to work, but we can't dehumanize no, these no. people. 
And we and Nobody's I tell you what, they're not destroying our towns. These people coming Who's are industrious people. The they're saying here in the city of Chicago, I can tell you this. That is unfair for us to have to carry for a people who are not supposed to be here. Frank, you know what the hypocrisy is as far as saying it's a federal crime and no local law enforcement is a bank robbery is, in fact, a federal crime. Exactly. Our law enforcement always responds to uh, bank robberies. The truth uh, of the matter is, is that what, what Frank is describing, he is on the ground and he is seeing it, and it should not be happening. We have a right to protect our borders. These people are not like your grandparents, Mark, because your grandparents came here illegally. They came through a legal process. What Frank is describing are people who are cutting in line, and that's just not fair. It's against the rule of law. On that note, we are out of time. Frank, you, th- Frank, Frank, you, thank you, Frank, <laughs> Frank, you, Frank, you. Thank yes. you. Bye bye. Thanks very much for being with us this evening. Also, our thanks to Mark Casello. Nice to have you back with us. Philip Beverly representing the Democrats this evening. Josh Cantrell and uh, Rosanna Polito uh, representing the Republicans and certainly Donald Trump uh, for most of the broadcast this evening. Our thanks this evening also to Fritz Goldman and Sam Greenberg and Dan Dorfman for their assistance in the production of this program. A reminder, if you're listening to us on KLBJ, Kenny Rommeyer is coming up next and he is going to have a special guest an aging talk show host from Chicago, (laughs) Illinois. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Chicago. Standing up for what's right, helping out when things go wrong, seeking the truth, and speaking our minds. Not just making records, but breaking them. Leading the way behind the camera, beyond the runway, and on the silver screen. Not just making our mark, but making a difference. Now that's a job for a Girl Scout. Girl Scouts, preparing girls for a lifetime of leadership. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. Debt. We can all get in a bit too deep. Members of the NFCC, the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, can help you put debt in its place. 
credit cards took charge of my financial life. An NFCC credit counselor helped me get back in control. I took charge of my debt. Student loan debt followed me wherever I went. My NFCC financial advocate taught me all I needed to know. I mastered my student loan debt. We wanted to buy our first home, but weren't sure if we were mortgage ready. Our NFCC housing counselor helped us make a plan. We're on a path to our first home. NFCC member agencies serve all 50 states and Puerto Rico. Convenient, helpful, knowledgeable, nonprofit. Financial advocates there for you. We, we put, put debt, debt in, in its, its place. place. Be one of 5 million people to beat debt by 2020. Connect with an NFCC certified credit counselor at your local member agency today. Go to nfcc.org slash stop debt or call 877-410-6322. Live from Chicago, it's Saturday Night Live, the experience. Tuesday through Sundays and open late on Wednesday nights at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. Order tickets at museum.tv. 